I think all of us in our deepest desires all long for a blessing. We all want someone, especially in authority, to speak good things over our lives, don't we? I remember my dad telling the story. He had gone, he and my mom had gone to a dinner that was being held in Orange County that Billy Graham and Ruth were going to be at. And my mom and dad were all a Twitter. I mean, they were just so excited. That was before it meant something on the internet. But they were all so excited. They were both so excited to you know, maybe get a glimpse of Billy Graham. They just, oh, this is gonna be so exciting. My mom wore her best dress. My dad wore the suits without spots. And they were in line and uh, walking in, ready to give their invitation, their official invitation. And my dad heard a voice behind him saying, well, is that Chuck Smith in front of me? And he turned because the voice sounded familiar and there was Billy Graham and there was Ruth. And he said, I have wanted to meet you. And my dad said, you know, I'm a strong man, but I almost fainted on the spot. <laughs> and you must be Kay. He even knew my mom's name. I mean, it was one of the greatest honors. And then he said, I have prayed for you. And he began to bless my dad. You know, my dad had gone there just to glimpse, just to see at a distance, just to be in the same room. And yet here it turned to a blessing. Don't we want someone to speak good things over our lives? Don't we want someone to promise us, especially from the scriptures, good things for our future? Don't you love it when someone comes up and says, oh, I, this verse has been burning in my heart and I felt like the Lord told me I'm supposed to give it to you. You're like, yes, yes, make it a good one or to tell us that our lives count, that they matter, and that God will use them for good? Don't we want someone to tell us that God has purposes for us, good purposes? A blessing speaks God's favor and God's prosperity, or God will make it happen in our lives. Does anyone really want a word of rejection and failure spoken over them? Do you really want that? Like, you know what? Nobody likes you. <laughs> Nobody wants you here. Nobody even wants you on the earth, okay? You know, your life's never gonna go any place. Your husband's a loser. You just might as well give up. Nobody wants a word like that. Nobody in their right mind wants a word like that. I don't know anyone who goes around going, could you just give me a really bad word for my life today? I really need it. I'm just desperate for something mean to be said to me. It just doesn't happen. We want blessing. We want a blessing. I think it's our daily craving. I want a blessing. Do you ever just like, oh God, please, just something good today? Just, just give me a blessing today. Just let me know that you are with me. Even if it's just like the dog gets excited that I'm home, just something of a blessing. You know, I have to say this. Barnabas is just the most amazing dog. Barnabas is my golden doodle. And he's, you know, you can fight with me all that you want. He's the best. But we come home from church and he's just like, you're back. You came home. Oh wait, I got to find a toy. Let me find just the right toy. And he goes around and he picks up a toy. He's like, no, that's not right. And he has to find just the right toy. And then it's in his mouth like, and he's outside, you know, and he's like, let me in and this can be yours. We'll share. And, you know, and then he puts his big old paws, like, let me in on the door, please let me in. I love you so much. I've been waiting for you. And now you're here and I'm outside. Let me in. And you, you let him in. And then he's just like, it's you. And he keeps body slamming you. And, you know, Ivy Brian says, nobody makes me feel as loved as Barnabas. So obviously, I've body slammed him lately, but <laughs> there is just something to having that kind of a blessing. Somebody who really wants you, loves you, and is just so excited, and has got one of those most special squeaker toys for you. It just makes all the difference. In blessing, we often want specifics. We want to know, wait, how will I be blessed? You know, in what way or what direction is my life going to take? Or what 
can I expect or should I expect? But a spiritual blessing is even better because it includes the favor. God is with you. God is for you. And here are some of the promises that God has for you. It brings the divine power of God to make it happen. And it brings the assurance. It ratifies the word of God and the promises of God to us. Spiritual blessings from others are often given to us by a gift. Someone says, you know what? I was thinking about you. I want you to have this because I want you to know that God loves you. Uh, when I was a little girl, I've told you this story before, but it means so much to me. It was my birthday and my parents had no money, no money at all. And there was this expensive toy store, which is now a massage place on 17th Street in Costa Mesa. And I would walk past that toy store and it was just, I don't think my parents ever purchased anything from that toy store. It was just so expensive. But it was, you know, kind of the lust factory for me, the covet factory. I would just go through it and then anything you bought, they would wrap. It was, it was magical. And I loved that toy store. And I saw this doll that was probably three feet high and I wanted it so badly for my birthday. I wanted that doll. And um, this toy store was between Safeway and Alpha Beta. So we had to travel by it. And I would see that doll and I'd say, that's what I want for my birthday. And my mom didn't want to say, honey, it's just not going to happen. We've got like three pennies that we're going to buy you, you know, three bubblegum balls for your birthday. You know, that's it. This is like a pastor's daughter's life. And they didn't tell me. But on my birthday, my parents don't have any money. They don't have any presents for me. My mom did make a cake. This older woman in our church named Ruth Smith, no relation, she comes by the house and she's got this package. She doesn't know it's my birthday. And she says, Hey, you're going to think I'm a silly old lady, and I am. But I was walking by that toy store, and I saw that three-foot doll in the window, and I thought, I'm buying that for myself. And I don't know what came over me, but I went in, and I bought that doll for myself, and I had them wrap it. And when I came out of the store, I thought, oh, Ruth, you're a silly old lady. Who can you give this doll to? And then I thought of Sherry. And I just brought it over. Could you give this doll to Sherry? My mom started crying. I said, Ruth, you're not going to believe this. This is Sherry, because that's what they used to call me. Sherry's birthday. And we don't have anything for her. And she had asked for that very doll in the window. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? I know. I have no idea what happened to that doll either. <laughs> I was such a consumer child. Here today, haircut tomorrow. I, I used to make all my dolls have my dad's hairstyle. But I just, when someone gives you something that says, the Lord put this on my heart, and you just know that the Lord is mindful of you. Or those times when someone says, you know what? You were just on my heart. I was praying for you so much yesterday. Or someone gives you a promise from God, as we said before. Or someone says, you know, I, I just want this and this and this to happen for you when they want good for our lives. I think Enneagram tests only prove our desire for a blessing. If our father, our mother, our friends, our peers, our boss, our employees won't tell us that we are doing good or headed for good, perhaps the Enneagram test will when I find out that I really deserve a blessing, because I'm actually a really nice person. One of the draws for taking these tests is to find something positive about ourselves, something that deserves blessing. It's not wrong to desire a blessing. I think it's in our very nature, in the way God created us. The problem is that we are often seeking blessings from the wrong people, from the wrong things, in the wrong ways. Often the desire for a blessing turns into this great need for approval. It just changes. And so what we do is we pretend to be someone else or something else than what we really are in order to get the blessing. Oh yeah, I'm for that too. So now maybe you'll bless me. Or we deceive 
we practice deception or we betray others, anything to get a blessing. When God wants to bless our lives. From the beginning, God sought to bless his creation. In Genesis 1, 22 and 28, we read, then God blessed them. In Genesis 2, 3, we read that God blessed the day. In Genesis 5, 2, he pours out a, a blessing on Noah. Because our God is a blessing God, in Numbers chapter 6, he told the priests, I want you to put my name on the people and I want you to bless them. I want them to know you're my representative, that I am a blessing God. In Genesis 27 and 28, we note certain things about divine blessing. One, the contents of divine blessing. Two, the criteria for blessing or those whom, who will receive the blessing of God. We learn about the craving for blessing, the crisis of blessing, and finally, the certainty of God's blessing. So what is the content of God's blessing? What exactly was the blessing that Isaac was to pass down to one of his sons? What was this birthright that Jacob bartered for with Esau? It was nothing less than the promises of God to Abraham and Abraham's descendants. It was a covenant of faith with God, the lineage of the Messiah and the sacred word of God. Contained in this blessing was the safeguarding of the history of God from creation to that present time. It contained a record of all God had done and said. It was what we know as Genesis 1 through 28, through this very time. It was the covenant of faith or the exclusivity of worship to God alone, obedience to God's word and God's directives, how God wanted mankind to live. It was also the seed that would bring the blessing the Messiah to the whole world. And it was the promises of blessing that would come by God's favor. This blessing was given to Abraham. We read about it in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But it became even more defined as Abraham walked with God. It was the blessing that was pound, uh, passed down exclusively to Isaac in Genesis 17, 19, Genesis 26, 2 through 5. This is the sacred trust that Isaac held, and he was to pass down to one of his sons. Now we next learn about the criteria for blessing in Genesis 27, 1 through 4. Now Isaac has a criteria by which he is going to bless one of his sons. It's not God's criteria. It's Isaac's criteria. Isaac is old, and his time on the earth as he feels is not long. So he has a criteria of time when this blessing is to be given. His sons are already in their 40s and one of his sons is already married to two wives. So there's a time, a criteria of time. Secondly, there's a criteria of convention. It's a blessing according to tradition, a blessing according to culture rather than a blessing according to the choice of God. This is not God's mandate, but a cultural mandate that the oldest should be the blessed. In ancient civilizations, as in monarchies still today, the blessing or the greater inheritance goes to the oldest child or firstborn. It is Charles who will receive the monarchy, not Anne, Philip, or Andrew. William not Harry, especially not Harry now. <laughs> George, not Lewis, who will receive the blessing. That's the cultural way to do it. We see with Adam that this is not a criteria that God followed. God honored Abel, not Cain, the firstborn. God blessed Seth. God chose Abraham, not Nahor or Haran. God chose 
Isaac, not Ishmael. God had specified a word to Rebekah that the elder would serve the younger, Genesis 25, 23. And it's this birthright that Esau sold for a pot of stew, Genesis 25, 33. But the third criteria of Isaac, we've got time, we've got convention, is self-gratification. Isaac preferred his eldest son, the hunter. Genesis 25, 28. Isaac loved the stew that Esau made. And by blessing Esau, he was ensuring for himself many pots of stew. It indulged his palate. But God's criteria is totally different than man's criteria. God blesses those who want and pursue his blessing. Those who are indifferent or hostile to God's blessing will never, ever know it. Genesis 26, 5, God said that this blessing was on Abraham because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God blesses his creation. In other words, God blesses what he is allowed to lead, guide, build, and create. God blesses those who seek his criteria for blessing or seek his ways, seek to meet his requirements for blessing. Esau did not meet the criteria for God's blessing. One, he'd sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. The blessing was due to the one who had the birthright. The blessing was the ratification of the birthright. In most cultures, it was the estate, the material estate of the father, his goods, what he had acquired. However, for Abraham and Isaac, the greater blessing was the covenant and promises of God. We see that Esau despised or did not place value on his birthright. His appetite was more important to him than the promises of God. He was a hunter. He wanted what he could acquire for himself. According to Hebrews 12, 16, he did not obey the voice of God. He was a fornicator or an idolater or one who put his own self-indulgence or pleasure above obedience to God. He married Canaanite women, not one, but two. And these Canaanite women were a grief to Rebecca and Isaac. They were idolatrous. They were of the practices and had the priorities of the Canaanites, those without God, those who served other gods. He didn't think of what he was bringing into the covenant family, and he didn't care how it would affect his parents. He was self-centered. He did not keep the commandments, the statutes, or laws according to Hebrews 12, 16. He was a profane person or one without any appreciation or regard for spiritual principles or promises. Matthew 7, 6, Jesus talks about this attitude when he tells us as Christians, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. You cannot bless a pig. <laughs> you know, if you, if you give a pig something expensive, like a string of pearls, they don't care. It's like Brian says, Barnabas cannot tell the difference between a dog bone, like a milk bone, dog biscuit, and filet mignon. As wonderful as he is, he just swallows the filet mignon whole. We know, we've given him pieces of it, and he's just like, how is God got any more of anything? Any roadkill, anything? You know, you just, there's no appreciation for these types of, of treasures. Years ago, 
when I was um, 13 years old, I had this Bible that I absolutely loved. They don't make them anymore. It was a suede cover. And it was just the perfect size and had a snap and just the right weight. And I just loved this Bible. One of my favorite things to do as a young woman was to go to the chapel store and buy a Bible. I mean, it was so fun. And I remember buying this suede Bible. It was just the right size. And we had gone out. We were um, on one of my dad's trips to Hawaii. I was with a group of people. And there was a woman um, that we were just kind of all hanging out with. She had lived in Hawaii. So she was kind of giving us a tour. We were in, um, on the island of Maui. And we were on the main street. And there was this kind of demon-possessed guy, kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, blasphemous guy, that she was trying to share the Lord with. And he just kept cursing and he kept you know, just doing all these um, terrible things while she was sharing the Lord with him. And I remember she says, I'm gonna give you a Bible. He's like, I don't want a Bible. I'm gonna give you a Bible anyway. And she turns around, she goes, who's got a Bible? <laughs> and she grabbed it out of my, my hands, my, my perfectly beautiful beige suede Bible. And she handed it to him and says, I'm giving you this. And he took the Bible and in our sight, he began to just rip it up just rip it apart. And I remember she said, I'll buy you another one. And she never did. I'm just saying, just saying. That woman, if I ever see her, she still owes me a Bible. I think she's in her 90s, but she still owes me a Bible. But I just remembered how he had no regard for something that was so precious to me. You know, my notes were in there. Um, you know, it was just precious to me. I just no regard at all. That's how the profane person is. They have no regard for, for spiritual things. You know, at Calvary, we would give brotherly hugs to one another. We still do sometimes. We just hug. And it's so pure, such a healthy touch. And I remember at graduation at my public high school, this guy came up to me and I said, can you believe we graduated? And I went to hug him and he just was like, Whoa. it was just sick. It was like, get thee behind me, Satan. And it was just, it was like, wow, I have been in the company of those that things are healthy. And I realized he doesn't have regard for purity and for innocence and for the beauty of holiness. He, there was no value to it. So Esau had no practical use for the birthright or the promises of God. They were no value to him, which meant that if they were given to him, he would not safeguard them. He would not pass them down. He would not walk with in them because already his lifestyle and his choices showed that he would neglect, he could care less about them, and he had no regard for God's word, promises, and way. They would not be esteemed. They would be thrown away. But Jacob had a craving for blessing, which brings us to our third point, craving for blessing, Genesis 27, 5 through 29. What links would you be willing to go to to receive God's blessing? How important to you, how essential is God's blessing for your life? Are you gonna do it your way? Or are you gonna wait and do it God's way because you so desperately want the blessing of God? Do you crave it? Do you long for God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or, oh, you showed up. You finally got here. How desperate are you to see God's blessing on your children? How desperately, are you willing to pray for it? Are you willing to take time out? Are you willing to tell them the way of blessing? Are you willing to exemplify it for them? Rebecca desperately wanted God's blessing on her son, Jacob. She did not seek it because of her preference of of liking Jacob better, but because of God's word to her, because of Jacob's godly character, Jacob had been responsible with the tents of his father, with the management of the household of Isaac. Jacob had not sought a wife among the Canaanite women. He had instead chosen singleness until he would have the godly wife because Jacob wanted the blessing of God. 
Jacob esteemed valued and would do whatever it took to receive the blessing of God. Rebekah instructed Jacob, brought him into conspiracy to deceive Isaac into blessing the right son. Rebekah realized that Isaac was attempting in secret to bless Esau. She herself had received a word from God concerning her sons. Genesis 25, 23, the elder would serve the younger, yet Isaac is attempting to go against the word of God. So Rebekah instructs Jacob, get two young goats, and she will make a savory stew that will taste just like anything Esau can get at the mall. What she makes with what God has already given to the household of Isaac is just as good as the one that requires going outside of what God has given. Rebecca makes this stew. She dresses Jacob in Esau's clothes. She places goatskin on Jacob's neck and hands, and she sends Jacob into Isaac to receive God's blessing. Now, Jacob has misgivings about this plan that we read in Genesis 27, 12. He says, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver, really, to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But Rebecca is willing to be cursed herself in order to see God's blessing and the promises of God upon the son that wants them, that will safeguard them, that will hold them tight, who will appreciate and pass them on and live in it. Jacob obeys his mother, and Jacob goes into his father pretending to be Esau. Here is where we see the desperation of Jacob. He wants this blessing so badly that he will risk a curse, pretend to be someone he isn't, deceive his own father. But at this, we must stop and remember that God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the one who wants him. In Jeremiah, says, God says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Perhaps you would stop me at this moment and say, Cheryl, hopefully not that meanly, Jacob is a deceiver. This is deceit. This is wrong. This is like living out a lie. But the Bible does not make that judgment. The Bible doesn't say, Jacob was wrong. This is terrible. It simply presents what he did to show us the greatness of his desire the depths of his willingness and the huge, deep craving that Jacob had for the covenant of God, the promises of God, and the word of God. It is so deep, it is so strong that he'll go to any lengths to get the blessing of God. And though we don't commend the way he uses, we do commend that craving, that deep desire for the blessings of God. Jacob indeed deceives his father. Isaac has misgivings and apprehensions five times. He brings up his apprehensions. We read in Genesis 27, 18 that he says, who are you, my son? Genesis 27, 20, how is it you found it so quickly, my son? Genesis 27, 21, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Genesis 27, 22, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And one final time, Isaac asks, are you really my son Esau? Genesis 27, 24. I think that Isaac knew something was up. Five different times, Jacob had to lie and claim he was Esau. But Isaac blessed Jacob as if he was Esau. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. 
Therefore, may God give you of the dew of the heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. This hardly seems like much of a blessing. It doesn't contain the promises given to Abraham or conferred to Isaac, but it is the ratification of the covenant to the son with the birthright. Moving on crisis of blessing. There are many who think that God is unfair to bless some and not others. There are those that believe that God should just bless everybody. This is an argument that Paul takes up in Romans 9. Paul states that God has the right to set the criteria by which he will bless. No doubt you have heard people say, if he will only bless through Jesus Christ, and not through Buddha, and not through Mohammed, though those people are so sincere that I don't want that God. They wanna choose the criteria for blessing. But Paul says in, in Romans 9, doesn't God have the right to do with what he owns, whatever he wishes? I mean, do I or do I not have the right with my money to, to give to whatever charity I choose? Should I be forced to give it to a charity that I don't approve of? Should I? Or, or is what I have mine to give? Can't I choose the child that I will give a certain um, inheritance to? I, I, have this, I have this silver plate that my grandfather, my mom gave it to me when I was first married. And her father gave it to her on the day that she got married to my father, and she gave it to me. And the, the forks and knives that have not gone down the garbage disposal, those are the ones that I passed on to my daughter, Kristen. She was the one that most admired it from the time she was a, a child. And I knew she loved the whole history and kind of the, the notion of my grandfather giving it to my mom. Don't I have the right I have other things I'll give to the other children, but don't I have the right to choose? Doesn't God have the right to choose the criteria? One, he's God. One, he owns it. And yet people are like, that's not fair. And that's what we sound when it comes to the, through the clouds in heaven. God has the right. The blessings are his. In Matthew 20, Jesus told the parable of the man who owned the vineyard. And he hired some people in the morning, some people in the mid-morning, some people at noon, some people mid-afternoon, and some people right before the end of the day and sent them into the vineyard. And then he gave them each a denarius for serving in the field. And the people who had borne the heat of the day, they said, that's not fair. We've worked all day and we get the same as those who came in at the last moment. And he said, isn't it my right to give what I have? to those who have worked for me? Don't I retain that? Are your hearts evil because mine is good? God has the right to set the criteria by which he will bless. There are those who think they should have God's favor in their life, no matter the fact that they reject God or their choice to serve themselves above God you know, they get mad when things don't go right or go their way. Like, God didn't bless me when I robbed that bank. Their rejection of God's standards and their rejection of God's word. And yet they feel and they're angry at God that he hasn't blessed them. So with Esau, he comes from hunting, expecting the blessing of his father. He has met his father's criteria. He's hunted. He's made the savory stew. He's the eldest, but he has already sold his birthright. Who really, who really is at fault? Isaac, who is going in against God's word. Isaac, who is conspiring in secret to confer God's blessing on his profane and ungodly son. Esau, who has already forfeited the birthright and therefore should not have the blessing conferred on him. Or Rebecca and Jacob who desire God's word, esteem the blessing of God, will do anything to be in the covenant of God. 
You know, we just look at this passage and we're like, shame on you, Jacob. Shame on you, Rebecca. Really? You can tell what I feel. When Esau finds out that Jacob has deceived Isaac, or sorry, when Esau finds out that Jacob has deceived Isaac and taken the blessing, he cried out with an exceeding bitter cry. This is not repentance. This is bitterness. Because that is what the author of Hebrews tells us. Beware lest any root of bitterness gets planted in you. And then it says, just like Esau, just like Esau, beware bitterness. He pleads for a blessing and he accuses Jacob. Blame is so much easier than repentance, isn't it? Blame, I I know people that live their lives blaming everybody else and never taking responsibility. When you live your life blaming others, you never grow. You never grow. You will become stagnated in that place of bitterness for the rest of your life. And you will never grow. You will never be free. You will, you will never learn from your experience. He accuses Jacob. Isn't he rightly named supplanter? He's taken away my birthright. He's taken away my blessing. He feels entitlement. It should just come to me because I'm the oldest. It should just be mine. No matter how I live, no matter how I feel, I should receive the blessing. Isaac then tries to bless Esau, but the blessing seems more like a curse. Let me read it from the Christian Standard Bible. Look, Your blessing place will be away from the richness of the land, away from the dew of the sky above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you rebel, you will break his yoke from your neck. You're like, you know what? Maybe no blessing. (laughs) Maybe just be quiet. This is not the blessing you want. You know, I... Years ago, I was not feeling well, and I said, Brian, I need to take some aspirin. Will you bring me a piece of toast? And so about 15 minutes later, Brian walks all the way upstairs, and he is pinching a piece of toast. Pinching, like he's walking up with it. And I said, did you walk all the way upstairs like that? And he goes, yeah. I said, so no napkin, no plate, just here is your toast. It's one of those things like, maybe not. Maybe I don't want that toast. I mean, I don't know, men. Like, did you not think that maybe I would want a napkin or maybe on a plate? Did did that like, he just, he looks at it and his finger, you know, he's just like, (laughs) he just starts laughing. I'm like, okay, we're laughing now. Do Do you think you could get me a plate? He, he just sets it down on my, on my nightstand and walks out. It's like, like, that was funny. But there was no other piece of toast that came. I'm just saying. Yeah. Here, so don't ask. Yeah, I had those. So, you know, the moral of that story is don't ask a man for a piece of toast. Specify you want a plate. Just specify. That's all. You didn't ask for a plate. Isn't that what they do? You, You wanted a napkin? You should have said something. Okay, now I know. Could I have a piece of toast toasted on a plate with a napkin that preferably you don't pinch? Esau's life would be a life lived on his own terms, devoid of any divine blessing. That's how he had lived his life thus far. That's how he would continue to live his life. Whatever he made of himself would be the essence of his life. He would end up being subordinate to his brother as everyone who lives on their own terms will always be subordinate to those who live in the way of God's blessing. God cannot and will not bless the self-willed, the self-serving, or the self-indulgent. Trying to make them blessed only creates a greater crisis. On hearing the word of his father Esau's anger only increases to a murderous rage against his brother. The author of Hebrews points out that Esau's tears were not tears of repentance. He did not want to change. He wanted the blessing of God on his own terms, and that was not going to happen. Just like 
Cain wanted the blessing of God on his own terms and would rather murder Abel than to offer God what he really wanted. Esau then tried another approach to the blessing. When he begins to realize the consequences of the misery that his choices have made, the Canaanite wives making both Isaac and Rebekah's lives miserable, he marries a daughter of Ishmael. He thinks, oh, you know what? I just need to add another thing to my life. I just need to add a little spirituality to what I already have, and that will change everything. Adding something to his life, like an accessory, rather than changing his life, changing his standards, repenting and asking God to lead and to guide. This is not repentance. This is an addition, an attempt to accessorize a life with God, not to change or to follow or be under the authority of God. And we know people like that, that want God just, I'm just going to get a little religion, and then that will make my life blessed. Instead of, I'm going to follow the Lord. Being the blessed one doesn't mean that Jacob will inherit his father's estate. Rather, he is sent away, and here's the crisis of blessing, sent away with only another blessing and instruction on where to find his wife. The blessing, may God Almighty bless you. He's not sending him away with money or tents or camels or servants, but commending him to God's blessing. Make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Here is the blessing that Jacob actually wanted. Here is the desired covenant of Abraham. And then the instructions on where to find a wife. This will be the wife of a covenant. See, the covenant wife is so important. It had been Sarah, not Hagar or Keturah. It had been Rebekah, not a Canaanite woman. Finally, the certainty of blessing. It might not appear at first like Jacob is blessed. When you considered he is exiled, his brother, who is a hunter, wants to kill him. That's like, the serial killer's got your address. He is going to a place he has never been. He is all alone. He has had to leave home. He has had to leave the promised land. He has had to leave his father. He has had to leave the estate of his father. He has had to leave his mother. And he has had to leave a life of privilege and authority. And he does not have any surpluses or any supplies with him. And he spends a night of deprivation, probably the last spot, last place he sleeps before leaving Canaan, the promised land. He is outside. He is among the elements of nature. And he has a rock for a pillow. He could easily conclude at this point that his deception and his circumstances show that he has jeopardized the promises of God. However, as he sleeps, he has a dream. And he sees a ladder that reaches all the way to heaven. And on this ladder, there are angels going up to heaven and coming back down to earth. He hears God speak from above the ladder. I am the Lord God of Abraham, our father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done all that I have spoken to you. Here is the covenant of covenant of Abraham. Here are the blessings that Jacob wanted. It is not conferred to him in perfect conditions, but comes to him in a time of deprivation, exile, pilgrimage, and uncertainty. But when Jacob awakes, he realizes, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. His acknowledgement is that the Lord is even with him, though he is not the favored son of his father, though he received the blessing by deception, though he is hated by his brother, though he is fleeing from the land of promise. God is even in this place with him 
and still promising him covenant, his presence, his protection, and his prosperity. Jacob enters into a covenant with God. And I love this. He makes a makeshift altar. Do you realize he doesn't have an animal for sacrifice? He just takes what he has, which is just a little bit of oil. He takes what he has. He piles rocks together and he pours the oil on it. He doesn't have wood. He doesn't have animals. And he names the place Bethel. By naming this place Bethel or house of God, he is claiming this place for God. He is saying, this is an awesome place. This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. This place is sanctified. It's holy and it belongs to God. This is the place where he met, encountered, and heard the voice of the living God. And he makes a vow to God or enters a covenant with God. If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. What Jacob is saying is this. If this is what you promise to do for me, then I'm all in. I'm all in. I will be yours. If this is what the promises of God are, if this is what you're offering me, yes and yes and amen and yes, I'm all in. I'll give you a tenth. I'll do whatever it takes. God's blessing has been transferred and secured and now ratified to Jacob, the son who did not come to it legally, biologically, culturally, or because of perfect behavior. Doesn't that get you excited? You do not deserve the blessing of God legally. You do not deserve the blessing of God biologically, unless you're Jewish, but you still don't. You do not deserve the blessing of God culturally or because you have perfect behavior. Rather, the blessing of God has come to Jacob as it comes to you by God's word and by Jacob's willingness to do whatever it took to receive God's blessing on his life. Do you desire the blessing of God on your life? Yes, Gerald, we do. We'll try it again. Thank you. Do you desire the blessing of God on your life? Take that up in prayer this afternoon. <laughs> Practice. Doesn't Jacob's story give you such hope? God wants to bless those who truly want his blessing. God has a specific means to his blessing. The blessing of God comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. All we need to do is want his blessing and seek it through Jesus Christ, as Peter said, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, Acts 4.12. Jesus is the standard and the way into all the blessings of God. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4a, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, here it comes, in Christ, in Christ, just as he chose us in him, in Christ before the foundation of the world. We have been chosen. We have been designated for blessing, not by birthright, not by behavior, not by culture, not by education, not by giftedness, but through the simple criteria of esteeming and wanting and receiving the source of all blessings, which is Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Through Jesus, all the blessings that Jacob felt he had to deceive and pretend to be somebody else for, all the blessings that, that Jacob went after, that he sold a, a, a pot of stew for, all of these blessings are ours. The blessings that Rebecca wanted for Jacob we can want and desire and pray for, for our children. 
All the blessings that Jacob wanted for himself are ours. Through Jesus Christ, we are in covenant with God. And God says that he will be with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I'm not gonna fear what man can do. These blessings cannot come to those without Christ because Christ is the source of all blessings. God will not divinely favor, favor those who do not esteem his son who re refuse to receive his son, will not walk according to his son, and will not place faith in the work of his son. Those who will not esteem the son will not be esteemed or blessed of the father. But God will, and God does bless those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who seek the blessing of God will be able to claim even over the darkest, most desperate and loneliest times, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is still for me, still wanting to bless me, still has a great plan. And I knew it not. All the blessings of God, all of them, are in Christ Jesus. He is our Ark of the Covenant. He is our agreement with God. He is the reconciler of God with man. He is our source of blessing. And those blessings are all available to us. Not only available to us, but God wants to bless us. God eagerly wants to bless us. And he does it through faith in Christ Jesus. Those of faith are ripe for blessing. Not by birthright, but by Jesus Christ. Will you stand up and let me pray over you? Lord, here are your daughters. Here are those who have come to you through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I can confidently say right now, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Lord, I can confidently ask for your blessing, knowing you want to bless these, your women, more than they even want to be blessed. Lord, that you want to be with them. You want to go before them. You want to bring spiritual prosperity to their lives, Lord. You want to take all things and work them together for the good of each person in this room. You want to give them a future and a hope. You want to answer their prayers in the best possible way. You, Lord, want to give them a testimony of Good, a testimony of glory. And Lord, you want to take them to heaven and bestow all the riches and rewards that you have laid up for them to them in a public ceremony. Lord, you are so good. You are so good. All blessings belong to you. But Lord, how good of you to take all that is yours and desire to give it to us through faith in your beloved, precious, wonderful son. We thank you that all the blessings of Christ are ours today. In Jesus' name, amen.